Hey, everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman back for the 150th. Talk about that, 150 uh, Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition Zoom call. We are starting off. Uh, we've got uh, uh, two really full hours today. The first hour, we're going to be talking about uh, nuclear power, uh, specifically a great new film from Jim and Mary Beth at Eon in, in Bolinas. Uh, then we're going to do a, a big boatload on, on Diablo Canyon. We joined by Linda Seeley from the Mothers for Peace and talk about a, a new article up at Counterpunch. Um, and then um, and, we'll, and then we've got the great Kevin Camps with us. Uh, there's Linda. Hi, Linda. Uh, we've got the great Kevin Camps with us from uh, Beyond Nuclear, our Michigan man, who's going to talk about the insane. <laughs> you know, you couldn't make this stuff up, uh, the insane... Uh, attempt to reopen the Palisades nuclear plant. I, I guess they just want to see how long it'll take to fall apart. Um, that's the first hour. Second hour, we're going to talk about the P Pacifica radio network. By the way, we're joined by the great Libby Halevi. Libby, great to see you. Um, Libby is the host of the um, uh, nuclear hot seat for many, many years and was uh, up close and personal with uh, Three Mile Island. Uh, as was I, but she was there while it was ha happening. Um, the second hour, we're going to deal with Pacifica Radio Network and the uh, the, the right-wing shift at Pacifica and uh, the election that's going on and how we can, God help us, uh, 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 stop what's going on in Pacifica with the um, um, victory, hopefully, of the New Day uh, contingent to, out to save the Pacifica Radio Network, which God knows uh, we need. So... Um, in this first hour, starting with 27 people, we're going to uh, uh, go to San Onofre, uh, this new film, then Diablo Canyon, uh, and then Michigan, uh, and then other what other, other nuclear issues we have. We're going to get the full hour, also going to talk about renewables, um, and we have a great Myla Reeson with us to uh, fill things in for us as well. Um, uh, Jim Heddle and Mary Beth Brangan, you are in... Uh, uh, Marin County in scenic Bolinas, and you have spent the last 13 years uh, since Fukushima uh, making a film. Uh, let, let's just say that however long it took you to make this film, it took them longer uh, to build the Vocal nuclear plant. So that's a good sign. <laughs> um, but um, tell us about this new film you have and um, uh, where it's going to open and, and what it's about. Well, it's it's called SOS, the San Onofre syndrome. The San Onofre syndrome uh, is a way of describing uh, a condition shared by the all the reactors around the country that is stranded nuclear waste with uh, not, no way to take care of it properly. Yeah. So we we do mention. Um, that it's a problem that's all over the country. We focus, in fact, we have a shout out to Palisades, how crazy that is, and um, the other Holtec uh, properties that are in, under such crazy um, management and a lack of management. And uh, this is a, oh, thank you for putting that up. The beautiful well, picture for those of you in Radio Land, and I want to welcome our listeners at the Progressive Radio Network on the Solartopia Green Power and Wellness Show. We're looking at a picture, a night picture, 
of the San Onofre reactors, um, uh, the three of them between LA and San Diego. And this is what your film was about, right? Right. It tells the story of San Onofre, but it applies nationally to all the um, the various reactor sites with piling up high-level radioactive waste. Basically, it shows the power and effectiveness of organized citizen-informed resistance and the uh, dereliction of duty of the regulatory agencies, which are corporately captured and are more in favor of uh, industry interests than public safety. So the San Onofre reactors, uh, there were three of them. One of them shut a long time ago for various issues. And then um, um, in the early 2000s, <laughs> God, these geniuses um, uh, violated their permit and put in uh, unlicensed uh, new generators that didn't work. Is that right? Right. Steam generators that were... Um, defective. They they got around an NRC regulation that would have required them to uh, file for a, a, a change in design, and they they just pretended like there was no change in design. And then when it failed when, uh, within months, um, they they tried to continue operating it. It was total craziness. It's amazing how how stupid these geniuses are, uh, and um, and there was a radioactive leak at San Onofre, right? The people, well, what would distinguished this radioactive leak from so many other radioactive leaks is that people found out about it, right? Right, it must have been pretty bad for them to have actually admitted there was a leak, even though they said, "Oh, it's just a tiny leak," but yeah. you know they routinely emit uh, during uh, operation a lot of uh, radioactivity. So for a leak to be even admitted, it must have been severe. But it kicked, it kicked into action uh, informed citizenry. And uh, contrary to frequent belief, uh, it, had, it had impacts. And eventually the plant was closed down. But then they discovered uh, plans to bury the waste that it accumulated from all the years of activity right on the beach within reach of the next tsunami or high tide. Yeah. Right, a hundred feet from the timeline. So what right. has happened now? Inches the above the ground table. Oh, what's happening now with the radioactive waste at San Onofre? Oh, it's just, sitting there in corroding canisters waiting to uh, be properly dealt with. That's what I'm visualizing. That's what we're hoping is a result of um, our film. Well, I, I think they should I think they should take the waste from San Onofre and divide it uh, between the White House and Mar-a-Lago. What do you think? Well, oh. the problem is transporting the waste anywhere is a big danger because it's like a, a mobile Chernobyl, as people say. Yeah, Kevin is an expert on the horrors of transport. These are very fragile uh, 
tubes uh, that can shatter under certain conditions. And if the pellets inside get together, they can cause a criticality. So it's really a rolling uh, potential Chernobyl zipping across the country. So what we're um, promoting or advocating or at least wanting to get the conversa conversations begun is um, the concept of keeping, well, it's, it. remember hardened on-site storage, Haas, that's been, that was the um, movement's uh, recommendation for years and years and years. And this is more or less Haas plus, because what we're advocating is that in order to keep it on site in a safe condition until a more permanent uh, solution is developed, it needs to be repackaged. That requires a cells, a hot cell, which is an enormous facility where you do it robotically. And then, um, because you can't get close to it. And then what we'll do is, uh, then it would have to be put into storage in reinforced buildings, not just have dirt piled over it. And so then uh, it's being maintained while the next best thing is developed. We're calling it, or we don't, we didn't um, coin the term, but we're referring to it as rolling stewardship, transgenerational rolling stewardship instead of abandonment in deep geological uh, caverns and abandon it. You know? Unless that um, in people come up with uh, ways to uh, overcome the challenges with that plan. Uh, but we're not concerning ourselves with the long term. We want, this is interim. This is, this is what needs to happen ASAP. Yeah, even if there were a geological deep repository, we'd still have to take these measures to make sure right. it's safe in the short term. Well, we refer to these deep geological places as suppositories. And, um, I, you know, we, we, we admire your film. It's coming out. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it again in two weeks. We will not meet next week, by the way. Next week is Yom Kippur. We will meet again in two weeks. And uh, we will have you back. Uh, to talk about the actual film, which opens Sunday, October 8th. Uh, where will it be opening? Uh, it's at the um, Regal uh, Film Theater in L.A., downtown L.A. Oh, okay. That's, Premier. that's why I wanted to know where you were, Sluggo, if you oh, can well, make I'll be it. there. I'll be oh, at the premiere. I got to go rent the tux. Um, and, then, um, and then it'll be virtually available on Friday, October 13th. Right. So Jim and Mary Beth, you guys are really great, uh, tremendous filmmakers. Um, the, the film is called uh, uh, San Onofre Syndrome, SOS. And uh, we'll have you back in two weeks to talk more about it. Um, and of course, we do have, want to celebrate the fact that it was Citizen Action uh, that's, uh, has shut the San Onofre reactors. We still have to deal, as you've said, with all the waste. But those three reactors do not operate now. And it's a huge victory. Uh, California is down to two reactors, uh, the two at San Onofre. Um, and uh, we're going to talk with Linda Seeley. Uh, and of course, Kevin Camps is with us also to talk about uh, what's going on at Palisades. Did One you more thing. I wanted yeah. to say, I, we'd love to um, promote the petition. 
with the showings, the petition, the Mothers for Peace just began um, with the showings of our film. So let's make sure we cover all the bases here. Okay, absolutely. Uh, and we're joined by uh, with the great uh, Joel Siegel uh, from North Carolina. Joel, great to have you with us. We have 45 people on. Jim and Mary Beth, stay with us, please. And Kevin, we're going to get to you. We're going to talk now with Linda Seeley for the Mothers for Peace. Uh, Linda uh, has draft redrafted a petition that we circulated in 2019. Um, what's happening at Diablo Canyon, the two reactors at San Luis Obispo, is that uh, they will be shutting very soon. And Linda, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the, for refueling. Uh, we don't know exactly when. They never tell us when. Uh, but uh, we know it's going to be about 50 days. Now, in 2019, they shut San Ofer, uh, rather, uh, Diablo Unit 1. And um, we petitioned. With, we had 2,400 people sign. Uh, and we know that the governor, Newsom, read it, the petition, and just blew us off. And we didn't actually ask for, for Diablo to be shut. All we asked for it was to be inspected which, you know, they can't get insurance and they can't get inspected. You know, you can't drive a car in, in California that's not insured or expect, inspected, but I guess a nuclear plant that could kill a few million people, uh, that's okay. So Linda, uh, and you've been with the Mothers for Peace for, uh, uh, well, of course you're only 19, but uh, for God knows how long. Tell us in detail now, and folks go to Counterpunch. We're gonna put the uh, link in the chat. Um, uh, tell us, Linda, what's going on with your petition and the effort to keep the <laughs> apple shut. Okay, thank you so much, Harvey and Jim and Mary Beth. Really good to see you. Um, um, Mothers for Peace has been involved in trying to get Diablo Canyon shut down since before it opened um, in 1973, is when we started. Um, we I currently have three proceedings going on. Number one is a, or a case in the Ninth, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals about the timely renewal issue of the license to extend the operation of Diablo Canyon. That um, the NRC violated its own rule, which is called the timely renewal rule, when they allowed um, PG&E to um, apply for a license extension only 10 months before unit one is scheduled to shut down. That's completely against their rules. The rules state that it has to be five years prior to the, the scheduled e expiration of a license. They've allowed another plant three years. 10 months is insane, especially when you think about the and then, okay, that's the first thing we're involved in. The second thing is that the California Public Utilities Commission, where we are saying that Diablo Canyon is not economical, it's not safe um, because of earthquakes, because of the Unit 1 reactor vessel. And we have enough uh, renewables to make up for Diablo Canyon right now. So don't let anybody tell you that we can't, we need Diablo Canyon because we need this carbon-free um, energy source. It's completely BS, okay? So what we're doing now, we last Thursday, we filed a petition with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. B 
because think about Harvey was just talking about it. We have a two reactors just about seven miles from my house. The unit one reactor vessel was manufactured in 1967. And it, I was still taking acid in 1967. I know. Tell me about it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and that they, after they installed that vessel, they realized that the some of the material that they put in there, namely copper and nickel, were too, they had too much of those things in there. But they thought, oh, well, what, no big deal. So now after running it for almost 40 years, what's happened because it's been under tremendous stress, uh, pressure, um, tremendous amounts of radiation have been, you know, given off inside of there. And it's really, really, really hot in there. And everything works fine as long as it's just um, going, everything is going along um, per perfectly. The problem is that if we would have an earthquake at Diablo Canyon, and there happened to be 13 earthquake faults just in the very vicinity of it, and one of them runs straight under the reactor, and that one has recently been found to be what's called a thrust fault, meaning that if it went off, it would go up instead of sideways. And those things cause a lot more damage to structures. It's the one like the one in Turkey was a thrust quake that killed so many people. Um, so anyway, um, this reactor vessel, it, what happens is like if there's a problem, earthquake, active malice, if there is some kind of screw up with one of the operators and they do something they shouldn't have done, which is what happened at Chernobyl. That's why that thing melted down. What they have to do is they have to pour a bunch of cold water into it to make it the nuclear reaction stop. It's called a cold shutdown. And if they have to do a cold shutdown in a reactor vessel like unit one, the chances are really good that the whole thing could shatter like a glass. And if that happens, there is no emergency backup safety net for the reactor vessel. If that would happen, it would be the worst thing that could happen in a nuclear power plant. So, and so what happened is that- Well, here, let me, let me jump in real quickly. What okay. would happen, because we saw this at Fukushima, if the, um, if the reactor pressure vessel shatters, God forbid, and God knows how hot it would be. You would have steam, uh, which of course is highly volatile and expands in an explosive dimension. You would have hydrogen, which would is also, you know, uh, well, hydrogen is what caused um, the explosions at, at Fukushima, including unit four, which wasn't even operating at the time. So, uh, and then, then you could indeed have fission. And, and, a, and an actual nuclear bomb, which we think may have happened, and Kevin knows a lot about this, uh, at Unit 3 at Fukushima, um, uh, where, where there was uh, uh, a plutonium. So all of that could happen at Diablo Canyon if, God forbid, the, uh, in, a, in a, an emergency situation, the pressure vessel would shatter. And that's why embrittlement is such a big issue, because essentially... With embrittlement, with an embrittled core, you're driving a car where if you put on the brakes, it, ex it explodes. 
That, that's actually not a good strategy for running a nuclear plant. So, so no, go ahead. It's really bad strategy. Yeah. So what we had heard about this embrittlement issue back in 2007, when the, the NRC wrote a letter, and it was about Palisades, and Kevin will remember this, that they listed the most embrittled reactors in the in the fleet of reactors around the country. And Diablo Canyon was like number five. And we're like, what? This is embrittled like this. One of our citizen members uh, of our community is an engineer, and he started digging into this issue last year, over a year ago. He read 4,000 pages of technical material. They have obfuscated this problem so deeply that it's almost impossible to reach. We couldn't understand these technical um, papers that had been written. And so we brought, I mean, we'd start reading them, our eyes would cross and we went, look, we can't figure it out. But this guy, a friend, uh, he's now become a friend, dug it out. And then we were able, Mothers for Peace were able by a stroke of luck to hire an expert witness um, who is one of the most, he's probably the most highly respected materials engineer in the whole country. His name is Digby McDonald and uh, he is teaches at Berkeley. He is an illustrious uh, material scientist and he is pro-nuclear, but he started reading all of this material and he said, oh my God, this is true. This reactor vessel probably ran out of its viability. Um, well, he said 20, uh, 2024, give or take 10 years. That means that it might've been too embrittled back in 2014. And we may have been running this thing all along with a reactor vessel that's like a, a you know, a hand grenade. A time bomb. A time bomb, yeah. And so we submitted a petition to the NRC last Thursday, along with Digby's testimony. Um, and they have 25 days to respond to our petition. Um and what we have asked for is for them to have a hearing of the commission itself to consider this. And they will probably appoint um, a, a technical committee from the Atomic Safety and Licensing Board to um, review everything. I don't know that, but that's their customary thing. And Kevin, you can probably comment on that. Um, and, uh, and then also, of course, we're bringing it up in our um, case with the California Public Utilities Commission because it the they're the ones who are giving out $1.4 billion to PG&E to keep a time bomb running. And so we want to cut that off um, to make sure that, that our state legislators know all about it and that the Public Utilities Commission knows what's going on so that they can uh, have a chance to redeem themselves before they have to be um, blamed for a horrible possible accident in California. So let, let, let's make sure people understand this is a very big deal. 
um, uh, this this petition, this this lawsuit is in front of the of a federal court, the Ninth Circuit Court, and the law has been that the uh, the civil courts have no jurisdiction in the nuclear industry because of the Atomic Energy Act of 1954, but that veil needs to be pierced. There is precedent for this. Um, uh, uh, in 1991, lightning struck the Yankee Row nuclear plant on the Deerfield River in Massachusetts, which at the time was among the uh, oldest reactors in the country. I, I believe it had opened in 61. So it's 30 years old. And the new the um owner of the nuclear plant, Yankee Atomic, was wanting to start it again. But we raised a movement in Western Massachusetts and we got a hearing in Congress just as there was a changeover at the uh commissionership, the chairship of the of the NRC. And um a a congressperson from Bucks County, Pennsylvania, Peter Kostmeyer, um, in, a, in a hearing, uh, told the incoming chair of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, his name was Ivan Sellen, and I was sitting right, sitting right next to him. I, I, I testified in the hearing, and there was me, and there was the chairman of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Come on, you know. Anyway, so um, uh, Kostmeyer told Ivan Sellen that he needed to make sure, and we raised the issue of embrittlement, it would not have become an issue uh, without the uh, citizen participation. And he told the chairman, incoming chairman of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, that they needed to have Yankee Road tested for embrittlement before it reopened. And there was a whole uproar, and we don't know to this day if um, Yankee Atomic had the capacity to test for embrittlement. There was discussion of they were going to have to take like an ice cream scooper and what? get a, somehow carve out a piece of the um, a reactor pressure vessel and test it. The, or And so they came back and either they couldn't do the test or they didn't want to do the test because they knew the thing was embrittled. And Yankee Row never reopened. And, uh, uh, and the mothers now have the same lawyer, Diane Curran, who, uh, who won the Yankee Row case, is now the lawyer uh, filing this legal petition. And the part that I forgot to say is that come upcoming, we mentioned this earlier, Harvey, in October, Unit one, the unit one reactor is going down anyway for maintenance, for refueling. And our petition demands that number one, they hold a hearing about it. And number two, that the NRC ordered that it not be allowed to come back online until they have taken a sample out of the out of the reactor vessel and tested it. And now the interesting part about this is that PG&E anticipated this uh, back in April, and they filed with the NRC uh, a an extension, I mean, um, an exemption. They said, well, we might not, we're going to try to get a sample out of the unit one reactor vessel when it goes down for refueling, 
but we might not be able to get a sample out. Um, so if we can't get a sample out, can we postpone it till 2025 and then wait 18 more months to get the results back? And we are saying, no, you can't. You can't do that. You cannot restart that reactor until we've got the results in hand. If it turns out it's perfectly fine, well, it's perfectly fine, but it's not perfectly fine. Well, if it isn't perfectly fine, we can anticipate that they'll change the regulation uh, of what's acceptable in brittlement so that it becomes perfectly fine. Lucky for us, we have the great Kevin Camps with us, um, who is truly an expert on this uh, from Michigan. And Kevin, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you're the top expert on Palisades. I th is it true that, that the NRC said that uh, they looked at Palisades and they said, well, Palisades isn't embrittled, therefore Diablo Unit 1 isn't embrittled. Is, it, did that, is that a narrative that came out somehow? Well, like Linda said, back in 2013, we kind of had the NRC cornered on all this stuff and we kept demanding that they provide us a list of the most embrittled reactors in the country. And they, they finally did. We turned out like 120 people onto one of their webinars. We got the webinar in the first place by pressuring them. So we kind of, you know, we're holding their feet to the fire. And so the list they came out with had Palisades and Point Beach, Wisconsin, Unit 2 tied as the worst and brittled in the country. So Lake Michigan is wedged between the two worst and brittled pressurized water reactors in the country. And then um, Indian Point Unit 3 was the next one, worst and brittled. Thank God it's closed. It's being decommissioned as far as we know. And then tied for the, the last two of the top five worst would be Diablo Canyon Unit 1 and Beaver Valley Unit 1 in Pennsylvania. So that was the list. Um, what you just said, Harvey, about regulatory retreat. I mean, the Associated Press, an investigative reporter named Jeff Don, did a four-part series after Fukushima. It was called Aging Nukes. It was focused on the US. And the top example that he gave of regulatory retreat in the United States was pressurized thermal shock, embrittled reactor pressure vessels. So this, as you said, has been going on for decades. I think the lesson that the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and the industry learned after Yankee Row was we will never let that happen again. And so they have devoted themselves for the past three decades to not let that happen again. There will never be another reactor shut because of these risks, these particular risks, but they've even worked it into the, uh, the 20 year license extension processes, the 40 year extensions out to 80 years, they're rumoring a hundred years. What they do is they come up with a methodology that makes it all better on paper. And when reactors can't meet one methodology, they're allowed to try another methodology. And it's all fine on paper until it's not. And an example I'll put out there is Japan post Fukushima, the most embrittled reactor in that country was called Genkai Unit 1. And yeah, they had their hypotheses and everything looked fine on paper until they pulled a sample. They pulled one of these capsules and they looked at it and it was way off the charts bad in real world physical data which is why there's all this hemming and hawing and delaying and postponing and canceling. They don't want the data. They really don't want the data because what if it's off the charts bad? So the response in Japan after Fukushima was Genkai Unit 1 was shut down immediately. No more discussion. 
it's it's dangerous. Shut it down. It was one of the you know dozens of reactors shut down post Fukushima permanently. Thank God. So in this country, we've got kind of a different uh, situation here. It's where these reactors can do nothing wrong. We don't want to see the data. And you know, congratulations to Mothers for Peace. I've read the first thirty pages of the filing, and it's really good stuff. And you know, listening to the filmmakers, listening to Linda just now, I'm just kind of amazed by the similarities between Palisades and these California reactors. Mm-hmm. At San Onofre, the similarities of putting high-level waste on the beach and faulty dry casks, which, you know, believe it or not, Palisades is also at risk of earthquake danger because they really didn't build the place, especially the dry cask storage, with earthquakes in mind. And wouldn't you know, there's an NRC whistleblower, Dr. Ross Landsman, now retired from Region 3, who's been pointing out since the year 1994 that the dry cast storage at Palisades is in very serious uh, risk of earthquakes because what could happen is the beach could part, the lake could flow into the breach, and the casks could find themselves on the bottom of Lake Michigan. You really don't want these things underwater. They're not designed to cool that way. If water gets into the heart of these things, you could have a critical mass of uranium-235 and plutonium-239 that have formed in the accident. You could spark a chain reaction because of the water moderating the neutrons. It would make emergency response a suicide mission. The waste would be overheating. If there's any leakage, it would be made all that much worse into Lake Michigan. That's one difference between San Onofre and Palisades is Lake Michigan is the drinking water supply for tens of millions of people downstream. And then the, the similarity on embrittlement between Diablo Canyon Unit 1 and Palisades um, is, is another similarity. So, you know, where Diablo Unit 1 was supposed to shut next year, and I hadn't really realized about the 13 years or the 16 years they'd recaptured on their license. That was kind of news to me. They've done similar at Palisades. They recaptured, you know, the construction period, for example. Right. So these reactors should have been shut years ago, decades ago, but nope, they're still going. So um, the fight at Palisades is getting more and more serious where Diablo was supposed to close next year and the year after. Palisades, you know, originally was supposed to close in 2007. Then they got a four year recapture of the construction period. We fought them on the 20 year license extension, but we lost. So that now they were good to go out to 2031. That's where the license is now. But we've learned that Holtec in its restart scheme, we're calling it a zombie reactor restart scheme. Sure enough, they're not gonna go through all this bother to uh, just operate till 2031. They're gonna go for another 20 years. That would take it out to 2051. And uh, you know what just happened, which made the news several days ago was that unfortunately Holtec has found a buyer for the electricity. These two rural electric co-op networks one in Michigan called Wolverine, how clever. The other in Indiana called Hoosier, how clever. Um, and it turns out that Wolverine got burned on Fermi Unit 2 decades ago. They got gouged. They were lucky they didn't get worse gouged, but they got gouged. They should have learned. They haven't learned. They're now in bed with Holtec. You've got the safety risks, which are off the chart. You've got the gouge to come in the form of a power purchase agreement that's way above market rates. The reason Palisades was closed last year by the previous owner, Entergy, was the power purchase agreement 
between Entergy and Consumers Energy, the original owner, um, which led to charges on ratepayer bills up to 57% 50, above market rate. It ended last year from 2007 to 2022, a 15-year power purchase agreement that was gouging the rate base in the area ended. And Entergy was like, you know, our, our joyride is over in terms of this gouge on ratepayers. But Entergy has known about these dangers. They knew about the dangers of acquiring Palisades before they did so. They didn't make any of the fixes that Consumers Energy said needed to be made in 2006. The lid, the steam generators, the reactive pressure vessel, the list goes on and on. So here we are um, in this predicament where the safety risks can't really be overstated. The risk to pocketbooks would also include all these state and federal bailouts. The state's already given 150 million towards the restart scheme. They'll probably give another 150 million. The feds are poised to give a billion dollar nuclear loan guarantee under the Inflation Reduction Act. But I don't think Holtec has given up on that same pot of money that Diablo accessed, the civil nuclear credit program at DOE. That would be another 1.2 billion from the feds. So the restart scheme, bailouts are 2.5 billion. But get this, Holtec has also announced they want to build four small modular reactors at the Palisade site, another 7.4 billion in nuclear loan guarantees. We're now talking $10 billion in public bailouts at the Palisade site. Are they going to invoke eminent domain and take the state park and take the Palisades Park Resort community to build four more reactors on that site? So uh, all of this is in play. It could all culminate in a decision by Halloween, which is so appropriate and appreciated that Holtec would choose Halloween as their decision date on the restart of the zombie reactor. So we're thinking about doing our second annual Zombies Against Palisades, or ZAP for short, with an exclamation point on the end. We showed up as zombies at the state capitol last Halloween, and we're thinking about showing up this Halloween. But it is some scary stuff. These are nuclear nightmares, no joke. Um, so that's what's going on out here. Oh my God, it's a, it is truly astounding. I want to point out in terms of earthquakes that the first reactor in the United States that was actually physically damaged by an earthquake was in Ohio. <laughs> the, uh, the Perry nuclear plant in 1986, just when the Challenger blew up, uh, Perry was hit by an earthquake. The governor um, at the time, uh, Richard Celeste, took the NRC uh, to court, demanding that they not reopen, that they actually, Perry had not been opened and they were pushing to open it. And Dick, Dick Celeste asked the federal courts to not allow Perry to open until there was a, a study of the evacuation planning in light of the earthquake. And, this, and the federal court turned him down. And said and let them reopen, even though there was not a restudy uh, of the evacuation planning, which is of course another issue. The other nuclear plant in the United States that's been damaged by an earthquake is North Anna in Virginia, for God's sake. So you know we always think of the earthquakes on the coast, but an earthquake in the mid well, the biggest actually the most powerful earthquake fault in the United States is the New Madrid fault, which goes right up the Mississippi River. So, you know, this earthquake issue is not limited to the coasts. Um, and I got to point out, of course, the Palisades is shut and they are now pushing to reopen it. Is that correct, Kevin? 
Yeah, Entergy shut Palisades on May 20th, 2022, 11 days earlier than planned. And the reason, in addition to all the safety systems I've already mentioned, was that Palisades has had control rod drive mechanism seal leakage since 1972. They've never determined the root cause. They've never fixed the problem. They do Band-Aid fixes. So that's another pathway to meltdown at Palisades. So in addition to all the risks that we already knew about before they shut down, you've now got the risk that Holtec has not maintained the plant. They have not actively maintained the steam generators. They've not even turned the turbine generator. So that thing is bending under its own weight. And some of you may remember Christmas day, 1993 at Fermi unit two, when their turbine generator suffered a mechanical explosion and sent 500 pound chunks of metal at high speed crashing into various systems, including cooling water, which then flooded the basement, got radioactively contaminated, and they ended up dumping 2 million gallons of radioactive wastewater into Lake Erie before they got permission to do so. And then they pretended like they got permission and they got permission and then they said they dumped. They'd already dumped. So those are more risks at Palisades um, that they haven't done active maintenance. And you can't just flip a switch, but that seems to be kind of what they plan to do. And we'll see what happens. Well, speaking of maintenance at uh, Diablo Canyon, the deal to shut Diablo Canyon was, was signed in 2016. You know, Governor Jerry Brown, Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom, the California Public Utilities Commission, the state legislature, the uh, various regulatory agencies, the local governments, the unions, the environmental groups, except for the mothers, um, all agreed that they would, uh, in 2016, that they would operate until 24 at Unit 1 and 25 at Unit 2. And Pacific Gas and Electric, which owns the, the two reactors at Diablo, stopped doing maintenance, for God's sakes. They said, well, we don't have to fix this stuff because we're going to shut. So for the last five years, six years, seven years, the last seven years, they haven't been maintaining this place. And we all know what PG&E's record is. In 2010, they weren't maintaining their gas lines in San Bruno, and the gas lines exploded, and they incinerated eight human beings and 19 houses to which they pleaded guilty to involuntary manslaughter. And then in Northern California in 2017, they weren't maintaining their power lines and they set the whole place on fire. They burned down the city of town of Paradise and, and killed more than 80 people. I mean, this is a mass murdering criminal that's running Diablo Canyon and they haven't been maintaining the plant at all. We don't need the power, and we're not. It's not clear. You mentioned at, at, at Yankee Row, they did not have little coupons and what they these little pieces of metal, and at Diablo Canyon apparently they did, which they insert, and then when the when the refueling comes, they pull them out and then they test them. That's the idea, but they haven't done that at Diablo Canyon since two thousand two, for God's sakes. And, and go ahead, Linda. That was because when they tested the coupon in 2002, they didn't like the results. It's just like what Kevin said. 
you get those results, it shows that a reactor vessel is going to be brittle very soon. What you what they do is they get an exemption. They go and look at the at a, at a coupon from another plant, or they do these um, uh, you know calculations, mathematical calculations that show that it's everything is hunky dory, and that's why it's so great that we have gotten this uh, terrific um, expert witness. And by the way, the Diablo Canyon Independent Safety Committee has also, because of we've been bringing up this issue of embrittlement with them, they have also hired an embrittlement expert. And um, so our hope is that their embrittlement expert will confer with our embrittlement expert yeah. and that they're both really interested in finding the truth instead of um, you know, covering up for PG&E. We'll see what happens. Well, one thing we can be certain of, no matter what, well, first of all, we don't know how long it'll take them to test the coupon if they, in fact, pull it. Ah, we do. There's, oh. a new, there's a new kind of test. It's called the nano indentation test. The old test took 18 months. That was called the Charpy test. But this is a new test called the nano indentation test that's been used at, uh, that was developed at Berkeley. and um, they can take a very small piece of the sample and test it many, many different times so as to create a database that's reliable about it because they say, oh, they have so few samples that they don't have a reliable database. Well, they can get a reliable database now. And the results of that nano indentation test are like, you know, I don't know how long, like an hour or a day or something very timely okay well the one thing we can be sure of is that no matter what the embrittlement tests show the nuclear regulatory commission will say it's safe right uh, whatever whatever their current regulations are uh and however bad it turns out the nrc will tell us it's all perfectly fine uh, we have 53 people on the call we got a couple of people raise their hands i do want to acknowledge the great Levi halevi with her she's been doing the nuclear hostage she has a wonderful book um, Kyle entitled, Yes, I Glow in the Dark, about her horrific experiences at Three Mile Island, where she was during the uh, meltdown. Levi, uh, put the link to your uh, um, radio um, uh, in, in the chat, please. And uh, we saw Levi at a, a great rally uh, this weekend. Uh, it's good to have you and chime in if you want. I got uh, uh, Steve Caruso, Alex, and then Tatanka. Steve, go ahead. Yeah, so recently they had a 3.6, it was August 27th, maybe, earthquake 10 miles, not far from Perry, nuclear plant. Right. Um, also, with the uh, co-op buying a power purchase agreement from the projected Palisades deal, um, they we've got lambasted by our local co-op about baseload you know the old baseload argument we need this and we need that and somebody's getting to these people somebody's going around and selling the garbage and pushing you know we need baseline we got to have our nuclear energy blah 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 and then also um it's not related to nuclear but in the way the replacement for nuclear as this fight against citizens for responsible solar, this group that's out there, you know, 
raising, get money from Koch brothers and the whole thing. I put a, a thing in the chat, a file that's an article that I transcribed from Jay Warmke's video. And it's just this whole push from the other side to get people to move over to nuclear. And it, it, this is where we got to build the wall, hold our finger in the dam and stand there and wait till help comes because it, it's <laughs> got to stop. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's really insane what they're doing here. And it, it, as you point out, there are very well-funded groups all over the country fighting nuke, fighting solar, including here in California. And Ron Leonard knows all about this. The uh, California Public Utilities Commission has gutted the paybacks from uh, solar panels on rooftops. They are gutting it uh, for... Um, um, large projects, not just individual, and they're also now attacking microgrids. So along with this lunacy of keeping Diablo open, they're really uh, sabotaging solar energy in California, where there's 70,000 people working on um, rooftop installations alone. It's unbelievable. Uh, Alex, thank you for that, Steve. Alex Dubrovsky and then Tatanka. I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Hello? Yes? Yeah, go ahead. How much will it cost for people to stop fighting? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. But, uh, we don't know, but thank you for that. Uh, Tatanka, Tatanka Brickett, go ahead. This is not a serious uh, suggestion, but uh, this gets so insane. I'm thinking that we should have executive coupon lined clothing and pajamas and order every one of the executives from uh, the private plants in the state to have to live on site right next to the power plant for the next 40 years. Well, hopefully we'll get it shut. I do want to point out one thing, uh, and this is an important honor. We're at 250. We have 54 people with us. Um, the, the argument over nuclear power is no longer actually relevant as a big issue. Because first of all, there, there are 93 reactors in the US and one more is left to come online. And people who are arguing about uh, uh, global warming, everybody global boiling it is now, everybody understands that in the next five years, we have to very seriously uh, move away from uh, burning uh, fuels that involve carbon. And um, the bottom line is that, you know, nuclear plants do e emit carbon. They also emit serious quantities uh, of, of heat. Uh, a reactor operates at 571 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, the last thing you want to do to cool the planet is have burning at 570 degrees Fahrenheit. But the bottom line is that nobody is going to build any more of these reactors. Uh, even if all of us who oppose nuclear power turned around and said, yeah, go ahead and build them, there are none to build. There are zero, except for Volkdal, there are zero reactors, old-style reactors under construction in the United States. And even under optimal circumstances, the small reactors are not going to be coming online for five or six years. Uh, so for the next five to six years, uh, there is a big zero uh, from the nuclear power. There isn't any to be had. And anybody who's serious about fighting global warming and cutting down on um, 
uh, heat emissions and carbon emissions, there's no there there. Uh, you know, so you want to be in favor of nuclear power, go right ahead, but you're not going to build any new reactors for the next, at least the next five years. Uh, it's it's a non-existent uh, player in the field of, of climate change. Uh, so, uh, you know, um, and the new reactors are really sketchy, these small reactors Kevin mentioned uh, coming in, allegedly coming into power stages. It's not even a prototype, as Libby pointed out to me on Sunday. It's not even a prototype new uh, a small reactor. And none, <clears throat> repeat, none of the cost projections on small reactors uh, even comes close to competing with renewables today, let alone five, 10 years from now. One question, Harvey. Yes, for, Tataka, for, please. For, for Linda and maybe Kevin, this is a tactical question. Do you have a list of people that you can call on at a moment's notice, like that we can all be on to show up for whatever we may need to do with high profile people, people willing to be arrested, et cetera? Is there something in the planning for that? We do not have that, Tatanka. I Did we have it? Yeah. What do we do? Do we just get in touch with you, say, please put us on the, the emergency list to show up if things go sideways or we need you uh, after this hearing or? Um, I, I don't know right off the bat. Um, Maybe we can talk later a, yeah. because it's that's good to good have. Idea. It's good to have a vigorous, nonviolent action plan ready. Well, I would I would just add uh, we have the listservs, of course, um, and then people on the listservs have to spread the word. I would just point out I don't I don't want to speak for you, Linda. I'm working 28 hour days, okay. Right. So to put one more thing on my list of things to do is not really fair. So yeah. if people want to get involved and have good ideas, jump in and bring your friends because we're a small group of people most of whom aren't getting paid at all. Right. And uh, there's only so much human beings can do, but more human beings could do more. So we welcome more people to help us with this work. Thank you. Yes, That's and um, um, the, the Linda, the um, petition, uh, like I said, the petition we circulated in 2019 when Diablo won shut for refueling then, uh, we got 2,400 signatures, including some very uh, high-level people in Hollywood. And uh, we're basically going to slightly revise uh, that petition and recirculate it. Um, but, you know, Gavin Newsom, everybody's trying to figure out why he's doing this. And, um, you know, there was just a big article in the L.A. Times explaining allegedly why he won't run for president. Um, but none of us believe that. You know, apparently he's dyslexic. And, um, you know, and also they say that he would not challenge um, uh, the vice president. Uh, uh, so I don't know. The only thing we've been able to figure is he's getting a ton of money behind the back from the nuclear industry. That's the only thing that makes any sense, because he has single handedly pushed the extension uh, of the license at Diablo Canyon. If it wasn't for Gavin Newsom, this wouldn't be happening. No. Mm -hmm. And it makes no sense unless he's going to run for president. He can't, he can't seriously believe that we need the power. I mean, that, that has been proven six ways from Sunday that, you know, solar and wind continue to exceed all expectations, 
all expectations. Even in the attack that's going on all over the country against solar, solar continues to grow very rapidly. I mean, it, it is it's still booming because it is so much cheaper than any of the fossil fuels now, and certainly the nuclear. Uh, I mean, the Volkl reactors are coming online 15 years late, and uh, they were originally going to be 14 billion. They're coming in at 36, maybe, might get up to 40. I mean, it, it's off the charts. James so, Hedl's got his hand raised. Yes. Uh, Jim, let's go back to you and then Robin and then Alex again. Go ahead, Jim. Well, I wanted to mention, uh, bring up two things. Um, first of all, when you, the, the talking point, the industry talking point is it's no um, carbon emissions. And I think it's such a fascinating irony that it's actually radioactive carbon emissions that happened from uh, an operating plant it, it, constantly. And then I also wanted to bring up um, and I ask your opinion, um, Harvey, Linda, Kevin. Um, I know Michael Keegan is suspecting that these small modular uh, reactors are just a cover for um, uh, the production of halub extra um, enriched uranium that can be used more readily for weapons and then showing the connection with weapons and why the civilian power plants are being kept uh, even though they're it's such a uh, an insane plan what do you say well we know that, that the uh, nuclear power and nuclear weapons industries are completely joined at the hip right and um, and that the nuclear power weapons industry needs the commercial industry to get uranium and trained personnel, and um, and the halu the the specifically enriched uranium right. for the small reactors is all coming from Russia right now, and um, you know there's also this uproar in Nigeria uh, where which is also a major uranium supplier. It's all very murky. And um, and really uh, evil, um, and uh, it's not exactly clear 100% what's happening. But we do know that they can't build any more big. The, the the last eight big reactors built in Europe and the United States have all been unmitigated catastrophes. Um, the one in Finland, Okuyoto, uh came in like 15 years late. Uh, you know, double the budget, and then now shut it periodically because wind is so much cheaper. Mm -hmm. The one at Flamanville in France, still not open, totally off the charts in terms of delay, <clears throat> billions of dollars, enormous money loser. There's two in Hinckley in southern England. Um, again, they're up to 35 billion euros. They're not open. Um, makes zero sense. In the United States, we have the two at Volktel. Uh, one just came online, one's about to allegedly. Uh, started in 2008 or nine at $14 billion. They're at $36 billion. And then the, the big prize goes to VC Summer in South Carolina, two reactors that they, they put in $10 billion and then they abandon it. It's just sitting there, completely unfinished, never open. 
um, a total waste of $10 billion. That's the last eight big reactors built in the United States and Europe. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a train wreck. And so there's never going to be another big reactor in the United States. And these small ones are a total fantasy. Uh, you know, th there's a giant hole now in the nuclear industry's argument that they can fight global warming because they can't build any new reactors, at least for the next five to 10 years. And so then we come back down, they shut Palisades because it's uneconomic and, uh, and dangerous as hell. And now they're going to reopen a plant that's been shut for two years? Are you, you've got to be crazy to even think about doing something like that. It's off the charts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, Robin, did you want to say something, Robin and then Alex? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the problem with, with nuclear, I think it, it's more because it's all uh, privately owned and for, for profit, you know, and the uh, Fukushima um, problem, you know, it was GE, you know, it had a whole, whole lot of, uh, you know, disastrous designs in their plant, you know, and, and if nuclear power was run by the government and, you know, to make sure that it was absolutely safe, it wouldn't be so bad. But, you know, most of the nuclear power plants, the uh, companies are run by narcissists and sociopaths that only care about big profit. And I think that that's the pro that's the reason it's such a disaster. Well, we've had um, we've had reactors at Tennessee Valley Authority and also uh, Bonneville Power Authority, uh, and they haven't done so well either. <laughs> Robin, can I speak it's, to that too, Harvey? Amara, go ahead, I, and then I just we'll do uh, Mimi. The Palo Verde nuclear power plant in in Arizona, the largest nuclear power plant in the country is essentially a muni. It, it's owned by um, Arizona Public Utilities, New Mexico Public Utilities, PM. It's also owned by a consortium of Southern California uh, electrical companies and municipalities. And it uh, evaporates 27,000 gallons of water every minute of every day to keep the three giant reactors from shutting, from exploding in the desert. It's depleting, uh, you know, it's just insane. So no, uh, that isn't the answer. The answer is to shut the reactors down, whether they're run by governments or whether they're run by private corporations, they need to be shut. They can't be run safely. They're very dangerous and they need to be shut. Talk about routine emissions. Yeah, well, let's do, we will. Let's do Mimi and then we'll go to that. And then we, we have, we've been joined by Jan Goodman and, and Myra's with us. So we're going to segue over to a discussion of uh, Pacifica Radio, but this is uh, something we got to keep going at for a while. Uh, Mimi, go ahead. Mimi, I know you're a big organizer here in California. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you. I, I first wanted to say thank you to everyone who made the um, national and international and fossil fuel climate marches such a success. That was so oh, yeah. Wonderful to read about. I went to Sacramento and in a bus from Berkeley, and we were all floored when we read the headline of seventy-five thousand people in New York City. So great job! I can't clap because I'm holding my phone, but great job, everyone, for that. But um, I just wanted to warn people: 
um, to be aware that I've heard Jennifer Granholm use uh, refer to nuclear as clean energy. So yeah. is she still doing that? And and folks, when you hear that, you've got to, you know, gently correct that right away, because that's not a proper frame for nuclear, as all the amazing organizers here know. And that's all I wanted to say is to be aware of, um, you know, that false framing. So thank well, you. Kevin, Thanks, uh, Lago. Kevin's got a history with uh, these two women from Michigan, uh, Jennifer Granholm and um, uh, the governor, Whit Whitmer. Uh, Kevin, you want to talk to that? Yeah, um, Granholm, the energy secretary, was attorney general and then governor of Michigan. And when she was AG, we turned to her for help. We were fighting a mixed oxide plutonium fuel shipment from Los Alamos, New Mexico, to a test reactor in Canada. It was actually weapons plutonium that had been converted into reactor fuel. And they were going to try to do that with mountains of weapons plutonium from Russia and the U.S., turn it into reactor fuel. And that program, after the wasting of many billions of dollars, has thankfully stopped for now anyway. But Granholm would not help us. She gave us the cold shoulders, AG. She was not going to do anything about that shipment. So we had to do it on our own. And then when she was governor, she ran... Uh, for re-election as governor and Consumers Energy, who owned Palisades at the time, loaned a top executive to run her campaign for re-election for governor. And perhaps in return, Granholm then, her Michigan Public Service Commission, approved a raid on the, Palis the Palisades Decommissioning Trust Fund to the tune of $316 million, a huge blow to the trust fund. A third of it went to Consumers Energy, the seller, a third of it went to Entergy, the buyer, and ironically enough, a third went to ratepayers. Well, wouldn't you know, the current AG, Dana Nessel, has estimated that the Palisades Decommissioning Trust Fund is $200 million short of even Holtec's plan to decommission the site. So, wow, what a bad idea that went down under Granholm's watch to loot the decommissioning trust fund. It's now short. They can't even carry out the decommissioning that they've said they're going to carry out. They don't have the money. So that's Granholm. She has a horrible history on this stuff. But her boss, Biden, is apparently just as bad. And I will point out that, you know, he came from Wilmington, Delaware. That's his power base originally. You know what's close to Wilmington, Delaware? A three-reactor complex called Salem Hope Creek. So in a sense, the political economy of Wilmington, 15 miles, one five miles from this nuclear power plant is set by the plant. That's what dominates the political economy of the area along with the chemical industry and what other, you know, insurance industry and the list goes on, the corporate charter industry. But, you know, if you look at the crack two report by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, calculation of reactor accident consequences from 1982, the results are so shocking they tried to suppress the report, but Ed Markey got it outed in Congress. Look at the, the casualty figures. Some of the worst casualty figures in this country, if there's a meltdown, would be at Salem Hope Creek because it's so close to Wilmington. It's so close to Philadelphia. And, you know, the Democrats we've been talking about here, Biden, Granholm, Whitmer, Newsom, they have some explaining to do. Their behavior is, is really bad and uh, putting a lot of people in danger. Well, there was a time when, when um, uh, Biden was critical of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And uh, where he lives in Delaware, actually, you can see across the river 
uh, to uh, a nuclear plant in New Jersey. But, um, uh, you know, it's it's really obscene what's going on here. And, you know, the these journalists continually, as if they can't write the article, they refer to nuclear power as clean and carbon free, which are, is both a total lie. And, and uh, you know, it's just ridiculous. And it's become part of the vernacular. Now, though, that when they, they don't say clean solar or carbon free wind, but when they refer to nuclear, it's always clean or carbon free. It's, it's really obnoxious and just total BS. Well, this has been a, a great uh, discussion. We still have 50 people with us. And um, Linda, will you tell us again where the petition is and how people can get to the Mothers for Peace? Go to mothersforpeace.org, um, click on latest news, and you'll see all of the things that we've been doing. The one thing I wanted to say, Harvey, is we're the one, this is a legal petition that we filed with the NRC. We are also doing Harvey's, Harvey and I are working together and Myla to create a citizen's petition that. Um, we well, we are going to address it to the N NRC and Governor Newsom um, for people to sign so that, and it's all about the, um, the vulnerability of, of the Unit 1 reactor vessel, plus some other demands um, that are absolutely necessary in order to uh, safeguard the safety of the people of California. And we're working on that now. It's not done, but it'll be available on Harvey's website and on the Mothers for Peace website. And did you want to say something, Mary Beth? Oh, I was swatting a fly, but I do want to say I would like to be, um, you know, pass those out at all our screenings. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And oh, I did want to call on Levy, Levy Halevi. Do you want to post, just introduce yourself and post where your uh, uh, nuclear hot seat is? And do and you want to say a word or two here, Levy Halevi? You with us there? There you are. Ask to unmute. I think we can unmute you here. Levy is the author of, no, no, you're still not unmuted. I don't know why we're not able to unmute you here. Can we un unmute Levy? No? Yes? I'm having trouble doing it. Oh, there I, we I go. Just, here, here we are. At it. Yeah. Great discussion. Um, I'm going to be borrowing parts of it for my show this week uh, with Harvey's full permission. Of course. Um, nuclear Hot Seat every week puts together news that's out there, announcements, acknowledgments of activists, as well as at least one solid interview with someone involved in or important to this ongoing discussion, this ongoing battle that we have. And if any of you are not familiar with the show, I invite you to take a look at it, nuclearhotseat.com. There are over 635 episodes that are up right now. They are searchable through keywords, and you can find background on just about all the subjects that have been discussed here, as well as hear from many of the people. I'm going to be talking with Mary Beth and Jim this Friday for, I believe it's going to be next week's show or the week after that. So we will be talking at length about the movie, how it came about and what it shows. And I just, if you're not part of the community, please join because that's where we can all tag in every week and find out what's going on around the world.
Thank you so much, Levy. It's a great show. We're really glad to have you. Uh, Kevin, uh, do you want to uh, uh, throw something in uh, also before we uh, move over to the discussion of Pacifica Radio? And then later, at the, toward the end, we're going to talk about Cop City uh, when the leader men will fill us in uh, on the horrific I, I just fight. urge people to yeah. check out the um, the chat. I put some of the figures from the Crack 2 report on Salem Units 1 and 2 in New Jersey that would impact Wilmington. Like I said, some of the worst casualty figures in the country. And then those property damage figures are pretty shocking. You'd have to adjust for inflation. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even account for the last 40 years of economic development. And also there's been population growth around every nuclear power plant in this country since 1982. So as AP pointed out in 2012, the casualty figures, you have to increase them significantly. And NRC's response to all this was to come out with a new report to replace Crack 2 called SORCA, SORCA, S-O-A-R-C-A, State-of-the-Art Reactive Consequence Analysis, which is a joke. Essentially, no radiation is going to get out, nobody's going to get hurt, and there will be no property damage. It's all zeros. It's really, it's like magic. How safe it is. Yeah, you know, uh, like the, uh, the woman in... Um... Uh, the movie where where uh, Meg Ryan is having this dessert, you know, I'll have what she's having. Um, uh, <laughs> mind bound. Kevin, we want to thank you for your incredible work over the years. Linda, uh, Levy, uh, so many, Myra, uh, uh, so many people who have been working on this issue. But this is life and death in California. I will point out that every homeowner policy uh, in the country um, has an exemption clause which says that if you lose your 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 health, your property, your children, your grandchildren to a nuclear accident, the uh, owners of the nuclear plant are not liable and you can't sue. And uh, we also want to make sure everybody knows next five or six years, if anybody, you hear anybody saying the nuclear power fights global warming, and there's not, there's no, there's no, even if the entire anti-nuclear movement switched, they can't build any new reactors in this country that can go online for at least the next five or six and more like 10 or 15 years. So, you know, there's only one solution to global boiling, and that's renewable energy. Thank you, everybody. That's a killer discussion. We still have 50 people with us, 51. Um, uh, I will reiterate, we will not be meeting next week. It's Yom Kippur. Uh, everybody will be passing out from their fast. And uh, I do want to congratulate the organizers of that great march in D.C. In, in New York. And we had a wonderful gathering on the, on the beach at, San, at Santa Monica, just north of the pier. Um, if you want to show some of the pictures, Steve, that would be very cool. Um, I now want to segue over um, uh, to the discussion of the Pacifica Radio Network. Uh, we brought it up from time to time. We are in the middle. Everybody who's a member, this was the... Uh, the discussion, the the gathering at uh, at uh, Santa Monica on Sunday it was really really great. Um, uh, there you go. Uh, actually, it was Saturday, um, and uh, this was really focused on the dumping of the million uh, gallons of uh, or tons, million tons of high level radioactive water that they want to dump in the Pacific Ocean. But this was a really beautiful event. Uh, and this was part of the global, uh, or at least the national march uh, on global uh, uh, boiling. 
that was in New York with 70,000 people. There's Myla. Look at that. Um, uh, there she is again. Hi, Myla. Uh, great hat, Myla. Um, <laughs> okay. So let's move on over now. We want to talk about uh, the Pacifica Radio Network. Again, go to Mothers for Peace for the petition. Support uh, Beyond Nuclear, which is where Kevin is at. Come to solartopia.org. We need to deal with this right away in Tatanka. Uh, his work on this has been fabulous as well. Also, we're joined by Anna Georgie, uh, who's in Western Mass, has been uh, a major leader in the uh, fight against nuclear power there. And we have Joel Siegel with us in, in North Carolina, uh, a stalwart on the environmental movement. Hi, Anna. How you doing? And um, um, uh, so now I want to go to, uh, and Camilla Reese is with us also. Uh, Camilla is, is a candidate for the board at uh, WBAI. And any of you who are members of any Pacifica radio station, um, you need to listen about how to vote in this election. And we're joined by the great Jan Goodman, who uh, has pioneered, the new, along with Myla Reese, the New Day Pacifica uh, movement to try and retake this network, which is very, very dangerously and disturbingly sliding uh, over to the right wing. And we really, really need to deal with this. It's very, very uh, serious. So uh, Jan, <clears throat> if you will tell us a bit about the <clears throat> struggle of Pacifica and what New Day stands for, we'd appreciate it. Pacifica, by the way, is WBAI in New York, KPFW in um, WPFW in DC, KPFA in Berkeley, KPFK in, in uh, LA, KPFT in Houston, and then about 200 to 250 affiliates uh, of uh, campus radio stations and community radio stations. So it's the one network on of the progressive left, and we are desperately trying to preserve it. So Jan, if you could tell us what's going on, that would be great. So um, let me just first ask, if you are a member of Pacifica, of any of the stations of Pacifica, would you put your, you know, like the hand up? Well, put, put, there's Saltman and Mike Hurst, Justin, Lori, Tatanka. Tatanka is also a candidate for the board in KPFK, and Dave Saltman's a candidate at WBAI, and Jet, Mike Hurst is a candidate at PFW in DC. Okay. So. And Nancy Naparco, by the way, is also. Oh, Nancy's here, yes. And I failed to put my virtual hand up because I was multitasking. <laughs> okay, I should put my hand up too, but anyway, I'm not. Okay. Uh, Bonnie, so, Bridget, so, uh, where, where are you a member, Bonnie? Oh, uh, Bonnie Bridges. Un unmute yourself, Bonnie. And Steve Kaiser is a member, I think, of KPFK. Yes. Um, That's correct. <laughs> New right. York. Bonnie is New York. Okay, Bonnie. Well, and you have Camilla and Dave Saltman on running it for the board in, at BAI, so I hope you'll support them. And MK, where are you? MK, I don't know who MK is. Uh, but go ahead, uh, uh, Jan, go ahead. Okay, so I, I'm just trying to get a, a sense of, and, and uh, Lisa, are you, Smithline, are you still in LA? Or are you somewhere else? Uh, she, I don't know if she's she, with us. She is still in LA, but she's. I think she's okay. up the call. And I'm just trying, okay. So, um, 
it would be really helpful if we just go all you people that have your hands up and that I see people are drifting, drift, drifting, putting their hands up. If you tell me where you are so I can be okay, we, more specific really quickly. Okay, Justin, well, Tataka is a candidate in LA for KPFK. We're grateful for that. Lynn Feinerman, where are you? That would be BAI. Okay, uh, Marin County. BAI, Ruth Strauss. Oh, I'm wrong. Okay, Marin County. KPFK. Marin County, KPFA. Oh, good for you. And Ruth Strauss, of course, is with us in LA. And Dr. Nancy is with us in LA. Steve Kaiser in LA. Um, Steve uh, uh, Caruso, where do you vote, Steve? Which, which, uh, uh, um, WPFW, Washington, D.C. So you're going to be voting for your buddy Mike and um, Eileen Proctor, and we have some great uh -huh. candidates. In, and in Jerry Toby, or Toby, Tobe? Lisa Smithline, you're in LA. Justin, you're, where are you, Justin? People can unmute themselves right now, so go ahead and try it if you want. Okay. And, and Coast. Justin, where are you? Central Coast of California. Oh, KPFA? Are you a member of KPFA? I actually registered for KPFK because I know Brad Friedman. Oh, okay, oh great. cool. Good for you. So you can vote for us. <laughs> and and Mimi, where are you? I'm a member of KPFA in Northern California. I'm in the okay. Bay Area. Good. Okay. All right, um, go ahead, Jan. So okay, all right. So 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 let me say this. First of all, um the the real future of independent journalism on the radio is at stake here at um in at in these elections which will continue running from now until um September 30th at at 9 p.m uh uh pacific time and uh, the reason I say that is that Pacifica is in a um, a true downward spiral, and it does not have much more to go in the downward spiral arena. We have Pacifica uh, had its uh, its insurance canceled because it failed to pay its insurance. Uh, it is behind in it, more than two months in the large loan that that we have um, that uh, is is um, secured by the radio stations and the licenses, and um, we are struggling to pay. All of the personnel have been um cut very close to the bone so financially pacifica is really on the brink and that's why we're so concerned a new day pacifica in fact was created uh because of this financial insecurity to try to stabilize it and um and we uh we proceeded uh to write uh, new bylaws that were more in line with what our auditors said, that is to say, smaller bylaws, smaller boards. Uh, and, uh, and so we've done that. 
Meanwhile, these elections are going on and uh, we have um, uh, people in New Day has endorsed uh, people in uh, Los Angeles and um, and uh, Houston Berkeley and, and Texas. And we have and, and we're very excited about, I'm personally excited, New Day hasn't endorsed them per se, but I personally am very excited about David Saltman and uh, Camilla Reese running in New York and a, a whole group of other people running in, in Washington, DC. So if anyone knows uh, anybody who might be a member in uh, Washington or New York or KPF or Berkeley or Austin or LA, please get in touch with us so that we can give you uh, our recommendations. And some of those are individual recommendations and some are by New Day in general. Um, and it's very exciting. We have absolutely terrific people uh, running in, in these areas and, um, and and just also to let you know that when we had this election on these new bylaws, um, the general membership uh, voted in favor of it 55% to 45%, uh, but um, the staff uh, voted differently. Uh, it was a uh, majority okay. was voted uh, against it uh, because of some, uh, we feel, well, no question they were lied to about what, what the bylaw said. So we're still in litigation over what, you know, whether or not the bylaws passed or didn't pass. And, um, but it's very exciting to have uh, full slates of people running at all of these stations and we can make a huge difference. So I urge all of you who are members, please vote, please vote today, please vote ASAP and uh, urge anybody else that you know who might be a member also to vote. And I'm, and gonna, yes. cut it, I'm gonna cut it there and uh, answer questions. And I don't know if Lynn, if you have a question or if your hand is just left over from saying that you're a member. Likewise, David. No, I, I have a question. Uh, I have right. a question and some comment. Okay. Please. Um, and, then, and then we'll get Dave Saltman. Yeah. Um, I, I have been a member of KPFA and Pacifica for a long time, and these things have been go going on for a long time. And what disturbs me the most is that I have not heard anybody make any effort to update us on what has happened with the WBAI uh, gigantic problem with the Empire State Building and all that money. And evidently there's been a loan and now we're out on the loan. Um, and uh, now I'm, I'm hearing that uh, we had, there's no insurance. I mean, this is outrageous. It is absolutely outrageous. I get these uh, emails from New Day Pacifica and then I get uh, KPFA protectors. I don't know what's going on. And I, I, I fear for KPFA in particular 
because I feel that it's going to be used in the final analysis, sold out in order to pay all these debts. And it's absolutely outrageous for a business to be having no insurance or to be out on its insurance payments. And everybody always says, yes, it's true, it's true. And then the same thing goes on and something is added. I still don't know where that loan is with regard to WBAI and the Empire State Building. Well, so, let, let, me, let me quickly tell you about the loan you. because that's easy to do. So WBAI, um, um, the Empire State Building had a got a judgment against Pacifica uh, in relationship to uh, lack of payment for rent on the um, on the um, tower that was on um, on the Empire State Building for WBAI. They got a they got a huge judgment about three million dollars. Then uh, Pacifica had to pay that off because. And, and we negotiated a payoff and um, and that's when we borrowed this large amount of money, $2.3 million. We negotiated it down uh, and we uh, borrowed this money and we are, Pacifica is paying that money off, but we've, you know, become in arrears on that also. So, um, so that large loan went to pay off w, the WBAI Pacifica debt. And it is, you know, it still is, has yet to be paid off. And that's a, it's a big thing. And, and let me just say this, that one of the things that I have been doing is working with a, uh, a grant writer who's a professional grant writer in uh, locating um grantors and philanthropists whose mission uh, parallels Pacifica's so that we can go to them uh, should our status change. Most grantors at this point want nothing to do with Pacifica because the, um, the structure is so dysfunctional and, and the finances are so dysfunctional. Does that answer your question? Yeah, the, the 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 situation with New Day, uh, uh, you know, we won the election uh, two years ago, and it was basically, you know, as someone who's seen stolen elections, that election was stolen, and then four um, duly elected delegates to the KPFK board in LA were uh, summarily uh, purged. Uh, very very ugly anti democratic situation, and uh, the finances are a disaster because the programming especially at KPFK, has just uh, absolutely deteriorated and the listenership uh, has deteriorated and the membership has dropped by more than half in two years. It's a catastrophe. So we need to bring in new new leadership and, and, and get the um, uh, network back into a progressive pro-environment, pro-democracy mode. Uh, Myra and then Dave... Yeah. Thank you, Lynn. Uh, I was just wondering, if, Lynn, if you have a follow up or Jan asked if that helped at all. Um, Thank you, Myla. Um, I, uh, it, it helped to explain, you know, where we're at, at least, you know, the Empire State Building isn't going to fall on us. Um, but uh, 
it doesn't really help me to um, clarify what kind of strategy is going to um, confront directly uh, this problem. I, I know that, um, you know, that, and I, I'm amazed that, I don't know, as a, as a person who's fundraised for most of my projects, I'm amazed that you are now trying to arrange to find a funder that will, you know, undertake to support Pacifica in and that the, the situation is still that Pacifica, you know, has a bad reputation. I, I just don't understand it. I mean, this should have been done like 10 years ago. If, well, I could just say, rectify, if I could if I just rectify the situation two years ago and 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 um, uh, our, our election victory was derailed. As far as I'm concerned, if the election had gone through the way the voters wanted, 55%, uh, the, the uh, network would have been put on a sound footing. And so we're trying well, to get- Well, okay, it that's, I believe you, Harvey, because I know you know what you're talking about. You don't talk when you don't. Um, however, is that gonna happen again? And if I vote for people who are recommended, I mean, what confidence do I have that it won't happen again? It, Lynn, it is another Lynn, Lynn, if I could just really get cut to the chase. We we also don't understand how things got this bad. We've been working on it for quite a while. The dysfunction goes very deep. It's been in place for a long time. It was codified by a worn out version of bylaws that were almost designed to fail with crisscrossing areas of responsibility, which led to wholesale irresponsibility. What we're trying to tell you is that we've been only started to work on this a few years ago. We had a big electoral breakthrough to clean up the structural problems, which was then uh, waylaid. It was uh, subverted in an undemocratic move. And this is in litigation. And as you know, litigation can move very, very slowly. And it seems yeah. like you're saying exactly what we've been saying. You're asking what the strategy is. This is what the strategy is. Vote for competent people who are not involved in these grudge matches that go back for several years. And I was just on the uh, WPFW um, local station board meeting, and it took mm -hmm. them 45 minutes to decide not to give 90 seconds to five speakers, to five oh, or six geez. speakers. I'm telling you, your frustration is evident and believe me, we share it. We're probably even more frustrated than you are because we've been up to yeah. our nose in this. And, and Jan specifically, you know, you say, why is she only getting around to it now? That's not fair. And I understand that we haven't explained this, but Jan took it upon herself to go around the, the gridlock on the national board that was too busy bickering then to raise money, to pay their rent, to do different things that weren't being done. And Jan, almost single-handedly, she also has a lot of friends who love her and care about her. And they took her word for it. And they took money out of their retirement accounts to put together a bridge loan so they didn't have to sell off assets. She basically saved Pacifica as a network. So 
she is not just doing this now. What she's doing is talking about a wide range of things that we're doing that's gonna take a very long time to fix this, but we're making real headway now. And we're doing it the only way that we can, which is step-by-step step by getting good candidates to run. And I'm running too, <laughs> but there's a yeah. lot of really stellar people. Okay, thank you. And, and we're gonna do what you. we I can. I really appreciate that explanation. And I, I had no intention to malign um, Jan Goodman in any way. I respect her highly and, and her work. Um, I just, you know, I'm, I, I guess, you know, I'm not going to repeat myself. What I would like is if uh, you would get together and just put a list of people who we're going to vote for, I will copy the list and paste it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm great. Great. I, I the don't list is really at newdaypacifica.org. New Day for, Pacific. For, for KPFA, I think it's the KPFA pr protectors. There's a link to it, however, at uh, New Day Pacifica. There's oh, yes. Myla just KPFA. put it in. I want to point out that Mike Hirsch is a candidate for, and gratefully, we're grateful for Mike uh, for running for the board in, in uh, D.C., and we know he's going to make a huge difference there. Myla um, uh, had a hand, and then... Uh, uh, Why do you call uh, David Saltman because he's another candidate? In right, and, and David can speak after me, Jan. I just want yeah. to say that, and we definitely want to hear from David Saltman, that um, we're very hopeful right now. We've worked very hard. We're in it for the long, you know, we're in the long game here. We have an extraordinary asset that we have to protect, and we're going to win. And right now we, we have amazing candidates that you can vote for and urge your friends to vote for. We have fantastic candidates running at all of the stations and please get involved, please vote. The, uh, the, your ballot has to be received by September 30th. So we only have uh, 13 days, I believe, uh, to, to, get, uh, to get the vote in. So do whatever you can to get out the vote and vote yourselves and we're gonna win it. We're in it Let's for the hope. God help us. Uh, Dave Saltman. Um, no, no stranger to election um, um, uh, shenanigans. Go ahead, Dave. Well, that's I'm, I'm really kind of following up to what Lynn's been saying because I've been involved now, now for the last few weeks since I became a candidate in these insanely non-productive meetings with the WBAI, you know, staff or who, I don't even know who these people are. <laughs> and uh, I- Local made, station board. Uh, it's the local station board. So here's my question. I mean, you know, I used to spend a lot of time with the, in the Arab world. The Arabs have a wonderful saying, where's the dead camel buried? <laughs> <laughs> who is resisting you? In other words, you won the election. You won, you've got the money. Where's the problem? Where's the dead camel buried? I think I know because I've, I've, they've been, we had several meetings saying, we want your, we want your best ideas. We want your fundraising ideas. I gave them, I've done a lot of fundraising. Uh, I've raised millions of dollars for public television and it's totally applicable to public radio. And I, I gave, and I don't give this stuff away for free, but I did. I told them how to do it. And you know how many calls I got? And all the station executives and personnel and whatever were listening. 
You want to know how many calls I got back to ask more questions? Zero. And so my, so they don't care. It's not about this. It's about power. And you're out and they're in at the moment. How did that happen? And how can we reverse that? Where's the dead camel buried? Well, the problem is the dead camel is running the show right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly the problem. I right. mean, if you can win the election and get the bylaws changed, so what? If the, if they can if they can undermine you, how did no. that happen? We, we we have a chance to take power here. How? Uh, but by getting people like you on the on the local station board. Because local station boards have no power. Where's the power? The power is in the national board. Well, the local so station boards get to nominate people for a national board, and the yeah. national board was the one that uh, upended the election and sued the people trying to fix the problems that they were causing. I've never seen anything like it before. I've seen oh, I did. Uh, Ohio, Florida, 2000, and Ohio, 2004. That's where we saw it. Well, that, it's, very, it's very similar to cannery, but what I'm talking about is you've got people who know what they're supposed to do, know that they're not doing it, not filing for free money from... Uh, um, foundations that were supportive of the network, not doing their paperwork, not doing what they were supposed to do, having Jan and other people say, we'll help you, them saying no. We say, somebody's got to be responsible for, for this. They all say, not me, not me, not me. We, we do on our own dime and with our own time, come up with a rational set of um, bylaws and ideally, bylaws in every organization I've ever seen are, are, agree, are drafted, agreed upon, put in a drawer, and never used again. <laughs> Only in case of emergency. It's like break glass in emergency. The fact that we're fighting so much about bylaws shows that there are people who are involved in Pacifica from top to bottom who seem to live to slow things down through arcane maneuvers with Robert's rules of order. Precisely my like, point. It seems like that's what they live for. It's like, you know, they could screw up a child's birthday party. They could screw up a two-car <laughs> parade. And then when people go to try to help them help themselves, while Pacifica is burning all around them, you know, Nero fiddled. At least you could hear have some musical accompaniment. These guys <laughs> just bring bring in points of order and and, and talk over each other in, in chaotic and rude ways. So well, you know, precisely my point, Mike. And the music is a very interesting uh, uh, <laughs> there because the real problem is not going to be solved with new bylaws. Because no. the real democracy in a radio uh, uh, setup or in any in anything connected to the arts theater radio television film uh, or, or whatever the voters are the audience not the station people that's right They're voting with their feet well David David you're making, David you're making absolutely brilliant points the facts the fact that you are a talented fundraiser, and obviously a passionate, caring person, and they didn't give you the, the courtesy of a single return phone call, 
shows that they do not want to solve these problems. There are people I there. That. I didn't. I'm not. The, I got. So he, I got the message. So here's the way out of the maze. Here's the way out of the maze. Is this the way to deal with them? No, this is the way we we deal it. We replace the ones that we can with people who are not problem makers, but are problem solvers. Then what we can do is nominate people to the national board to clean things up there. It's a two-stage process. Can a local board get, get an executive at a station fired? I don't think so. Uh, that's, that's not really what we're looking to do. What we're really looking to do is to clean up the national leadership, the national board, which is, you know, as bad as the local dysfunction is, the national is even worse because they have greater responsibilities. And by screwing up there, they're imperiling the whole network. I, I, I do agree with you. But with all due respect, they are not addressing the Democratic voters of Radioland, the, oh. the winners, that there's no, how many, let me just ask, some of you are on the national board, and I don't mean to embarrass you here, but how many of you have been to a comedy club in the last year? So no, none of us are on the national board, but I used to be, and I've been to a comedy club. In the last, the last year? year. Yeah. Because so I, I'm proposing that instead look, of- can, Instead of calling them the local station boards LSB, we should change it to LSD because that's what the that's how, that what <laughs> describes that describes the board meetings. Now, so correct me. Speaking on that point, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I read in one of the one of the blasts that came out that the local boards are actually going to be disbanded and changed into a community advisory. Okay, so so. So let me let me just address a couple of these things. Uh, for one thing, the part of the big lie about about uh, the New Day bylaws is that the, there's going to be no more local station boards, and that is not true. Um, the local station boards will be changed, and the biggest change, of course, will that will be that they won't be electing the national board because the because the members will be directly electing the national board, just like the UAW. The UAW, and, and to say that the bylaws don't make any difference and the structure doesn't make any difference is belied by the fact of what's happening in the streets in, in Detroit and Chicago right now, because this uh, president of UAW is the first president of UAW that was directly elected by members of UAW because they changed their structure and they were able to elect a reformer who could do reform and that's why they're asking for things and fighting for a new contract and the same is true uh, can be true in in Pacifica land, if people directly are directly electing uh, their representatives to the national board and the leadership, uh, you can expect a very different group of people in the leadership. It won't be LSB electing the PNB and the PNB electing the president. It'll be people electing people straight off. All I can say is, as a professional broadcaster, the only voters I really care about 
are the audience. Well, and as and as I'm concerned, the OSBs aren't doing anybody any good anyway. Well, you're a thousand percent correct. And 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 one of the things is that under the present structure, the even the national board, instead of making policy and hiring an executive director to, you know, who who presumably is going to know something about about making audiences happy uh, and staying on mission, um, the PNB is micromanaging everything, including the executive director, who has been told that she cannot hire or fire anybody. So it's really, uh, you know, it's really screwed up. So when you think it's screwed up, it is screwed up. And the audience is walking with their feet. Los Angeles had more than 10,000, had more than 11,000, had uh, maybe close to 11,000 voters two years ago, members. Now we have just around 5,000. People have left in droves. They're voting with their feet because well, the programming the, is the miserable. programming sucks and, and has exactly. become not only uh, you know, not low production values, but it also is qualitatively, uh, you know, there are right wing points being made every day on the air, not just being heard, but being advocated for. Uh, you know, I, I th- this is really interesting. And I, I'm curious as to whether or not everyone or uh, at least a, a good percentage of people on this call are interested, and I know Wendy has her hand up, and and um, Mike and and Steve Kaiser. So I'm going well, to hand this up. I just you. I just want to say really really quickly that once we get started listing the problems, that's going to take hours. It might never end because even as we're talking about firm problems, new ones keep cropping up. So what I'd like to do is kind of turn the corner and give a shout out to Sluggo and his team in LA. And it just goes to show when people are not immersed in these grudge matches and and this, you know, dysfunction, that they can get together and have a good meeting. I don't know if it's actually fun, but at least the meetings are to the point and um, endurable at least, especially as meetings go. And Sluggo, if you could just say a few words about what it used to be like and, and now what it's like, since you and, and some level-headed people, at, well, I don't want to accuse you of being level-headed, but at least some people who know how to get things done. Uh, well, I got to give all the credit to Myla and Jan. They put together an incredible team in, a, in L.A. Uh, the people running for the board for New Day in L.A. are fabulous. And God willing, let's hope to God that we get a fair election. I'm very nervous about how this election is being conducted. And, um, and the, the, the camel, the nature of the camel... We don't know where these people are coming from. Incredibly disruptive, negative, uh, uh, engaging in personal uh, attacks, which are completely unwarranted. Um, you know, this stuff is, is in another world. We are interested in progressive uh, quality broadcasting, both in terms of politics, uh, social justice. We actually have a show on Pacifica now at KPFK that advocates for nuclear power. How did this happen? I mean, it's, 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 we're getting right-wing programming on KPFK. This network was founded 
uh, for peace. Sluggo, Sluggo. Yeah. How, I, 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 there's so much negativism and so many problems, but can you tell us about the, the progress that you've made on the board yeah. with my, Jan, Jan and Myla? And just, I know it's so tempting to keep focusing on the problems, but I think we well, need we've to had hear- more, We've had, I don't know, five or six board meetings at KPFK now that have gone under two hours and that have actually accomplished things. What a, what a, what a, what a concept. Uh, and, uh, you know, people are, are quality. Uh, they're interested in, they give up part of their Sunday to work on actual issues facing the station. Uh, we, we, can, we have plans where we can improve the, pro, get, get the programming where it needs to be, that people will rejoin the, pro, the, the station and the network as a whole and support it financially. And, uh, and that's what needs to be done. Uh, and and we've had meetings now, successive meetings. The KPFK board meetings were indescribable, and but and now we actually get business done. So it's a very big deal, and I give all the credit uh, to Myla and to Jan, who've really put together an incredible team, including you and Tatanka and Dave um, and Camilla, who's on the on the call, and uh, others who've really uh, you know stepped up to the plate here. Uh, but we have to win this election, and I'm nervous about it. Because I, I, there are a lot of red flags about how this election is being conducted. But Jan just put together a piece on what New Day really stands for. And I hope you'll post it at the website. And I've written a couple of pieces. I'm going to start circulating it. We know how to run a radio station. You know, we've got people like Dave who've been doing it uh, since college. I used to listen to Dave on the college radio station in Ann Arbor. And, you know, back in the previous century. And we know people, we, Camille, we know. Uh, what to do to talk seasons. We have people, we have a clear political agenda, which is progressive, social democrat, and green, and um, and de pro-democracy. And, and that's where, and when we do that, and we announce that we have new programming and new management, uh, we the, the, the members of KPFK and the other stations will come flocking back and will be supported. Um, and we are also in the middle of a major technological transformation. Te radio is not what it used to be, and the internet is. And we and we're we're a technologically at Pacific. We're a dinosaur. There's been no movement towards really. There's a theater a, a like that that I went and. Uh, Who's speaking? Uh, anyway, um, it's Wendy's turn. Let Wendy speak. Wendy, go ahead. Thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate that. I think you were behind me. Um, but I do have uh, something related directly to this that I've actually been wanting to say for just a second, um, kind of related to Mike's point. But first, I want to say thank you to Jan. Um, we hope you're taking good care of yourself as well. Yes. <laughs> and um, and we love you and all that. Um, so on that point, like I, I just don't want to focus on everything that's like not being done, like to take it onto the positives, like Mike was saying, but in a different kind of light, you know, just for our own positive visualization, um, for the, any new listeners that might not be familiar with um, the quality of what um, Pacifica has done in the past, but the vision for the future, and not necessarily to like be fighting the monsters right now, not thinking about the negative of what's not happening and the lacking and, and all that, but as a positive, like, what are some of the um, wonderful things that you would like to do once you regain the power back? Once Pacifica becomes 
what its potential is. Um, just what are some of the beautiful things that Pacifica is capable of? And for us to keep our vision on that and not worry about what all the negatives we know yeah. are happening and all that, because you guys are doing a phenomenal job. And I just want to commend you on the things you are doing and get our eyes focused on the positive visualization that we're trying to manifest for now. So well, we have you. we have had we had decades of great programming with Roy of Hollywood and he's passed away. And um, uh, we've we've got Amy Goodman, we've got Tom Hartman, we have wonderful uh, Ofari Hutchinson, we have wonderful programming at KPFK and at, and at Pacifica. And this is what needs to dominate. We need, we need new younger people. We need uh, uh, people who really know what they're doing in radio land, like Dave, who's been a professional all these years. And we need a, gra a, a mix of grassroots programming, but it has to be listenable. And it has to be uh, technologically sound, and we have to move into the internet uh, in ways that have not been done. And the the station will write itself because we'll win back our, our listenership, which is where the support for the network comes from. Let, that, we're not that gonna, is let me address plan. that. Let me address that because that's a really important point. And Who's basically, that? I agree with that's you. Dave, However, Dave Salman. Basically, I agree with you. However. If you had gone around in 19, let's see, uh, winter, fall of 74, winter of 75, which was a very dark era, the Nixon administration, Vietnam War was still going, et cetera, very dark period. And you would ask people, hey, what, what would you guys like to see on television? You can be sure that nobody would have said Saturday Night Live because <laughs> it had not existed. They didn't know, and they didn't know they wanted that. And if you had said to them, well, wait, no, here's my idea. We're gonna have a, a bunch of completely unknown comedians, mostly from Canada. We're gonna have a completely unknown producer, also Canadian. Uh, and we're gonna run it at the worst, what's considered the worst time slot in broadcasting, 11 o'clock on Saturday nights. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? And, oh, and they're going to do improvised sketch comedy, whatever that is. And everybody would be like, what are you, crazy? No, give me more Walter Cronkite or something, you know? Be the last. They don't know it. It's like build it and they will come, you know? If it's good. And it turned out to be great stuff. If it's good, but you don't know that it's good. And nobody knew that Lauren Michaels was a genius. They thought he was a one-shot producer who got a one good thing going, and that was the first and last thing he ever did. And they were wrong. You know, they were just coming. And, and even other very brilliant people in broadcasting thought that. So I'm just saying it's not that simple. And I'm also mm -hmm. saying that mm -hmm. nobody really knows what's going to work until it's audience tested, including me and including everybody. And yeah. and and. And it's an art. And here's another thing. And I know that this is going to make me a lot of enemies, but this is my belief. And if I'm wrong, tear me to bits, okay? There's not, not every uh, institution in America can be run democratically. For example, the fire department. You don't want a democratically run fire department. You want a chief and you want a bunch of highly trained it's run like a paramilitary organization and you want it that way. 
You know, you can talk when you're in your idle hours about different ideas to improve the fire department, but it can't be, it, you can't vote on how to fight that fire. You got to have, you know, the old man who ain't afraid of hell leading us through that fire because otherwise people are going to die. The arts, I, in my opinion, are very similar. I have always thought of, I worked at CBS News for a long time. And I said frequently, I said, my God, this is run just like a paramilitary organization. And that's why it was so goddamn good back in the days of Cronkite and Eric Severide and those guys. Um, so I'm just saying, the, and that's why I say the voters here are not necessarily the employees, although they can give their opinions and try to and whatnot. It's the viewers and the viewers don't know what they want until they see it. And you, and it just can't be helped. And, and we have to have, and we have to have quality people uh, doing the jobs. Only, only, only quality people. But anyway, and one last thing, and then I'm going to shut up. You know, I worked at Rolling Stone for many years too. And uh, Hunter Thompson had a wonderful expression about the broadcasting business. He said, I may have this a little wrong, but this is the gist of it. He said, broadcasting is a shallow money trench where pimps and thieves run loose and good men die like dogs. <laughs> and there's also a negative side. <laughs> so there you go. Thank you, Hunter Thompson. Thank you, Dave. Uh, we'll go to, we're at the top of the hour. We'll take this a few more minutes with the indulgence thanks of Steve and Mike. Uh, Mike, it's really great to hear from you on this. Um, uh, I'm very excited uh, to have you, hopefully, to God on the on the DC board. It will make a big difference, and Dave, you'll make a huge difference on KPFA along K uh, BAI along with um, uh, Camilla, uh, uh, Steve Kaiser. Go ahead, Steve. No waiting. We still have 42 people on the call. Yeah, I, I think it's an apt example that Dave cited uh, Saturday Night Live. I mean, when it came out, it was super cutting edge. Everybody loved it. It was a real functioning element in our society, improving it. But now, 40-some years later, it's bloody awful. I mean, for the last 10, 12 years, it's just been absolutely awful. And Lauren Michaels has nothing else to do, so he keeps doing that. Right. And I, occasionally they break through. They've got some talented people there, but it's awful. And it's an example for Pacifica. Pacifica is fucking awful. It has been for years. It died 20 years ago. It's been a zombie organization for the last 20 years. And I, I want to have faith in Jan, what you're doing here with New Day. But this just seems like four people to come in and, and to run things. And I agree the LSB should be smaller. So there are less people that had the divine right to be heard that day. And <laughs> I, maybe maybe your uh, maybe the national board, uh, maybe it would improve at doing that. But at the root cause, we've got to look what's really going wrong. People are not buying what we're selling nowadays. They do long, long, longer want this. Now, originally they were members. Today they're consumers. They're not members in the 40s and 50s. That's when membership worked. We invented this, just give us money and we'll try and give you good entertainment model that everybody is on top of nowadays. So everybody has to be sent to. We have to come up with programming themselves. Now, when I, I was on the board about eight years ago, 
I kept on focusing on premiums because that actually brought money in the door. But now what we need to focus on, which I've been raising with the, the development group, is people dying. Death is a growth industry for us. People our age and older are dying and they've got places they can leave their money. And we want to be a number one one doing that. And we want to be able to get out there and offer them charitable lead trusts, charitable remainder trusts, lots of things that can improve their tax picture. But that's who we have to go after. And we have to do it at, at making a virulent coast-to-coast progressive network because it, the airways are saturated with right-wing uh, propaganda. So we just want to take a place at the table and there are a lot of people out there with money. I mean, Oprah Winfrey has $2 billion and she's got to be a sympathetic voice for, for a, a stronger dialogue. I mean, she is a, a, is a journalism person at, at root and always has been. So we've got people out there that can join this. But, and, and I like that we're, we're trying to do some different things, but we've got to concentrate on people that are getting older and want a progressive voice out there and are willing to step up to the plate and put it together. That'll be nice. Uh, yes, and, and um, I do, very good, Steve. Thank you for that. I do want to mention- well, One more thing, one more thing, Harvey. You need better yeah. management. I mean, it's great to hear David and Mike, but you can't let them go into this constantly and monopolize that time when Wendy and myself and other people need to be heard also. So you need better management of time like that too. Maybe one minute at most. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Uh, well, we let it go today, but uh, we, we have had time limits, but we need competent people. With, uh, I mean, one thing that really distinguishes so many of the comments we get is they're coming from a place of incredible incompetence. I mean, if you listen to the stuff that's on KPFK now, it's it's god awful, and and uh, we can't have that. And it's it's right wing. Where did this come from? That we're starting to get pro nuclear, anti democracy. Uh, we even had some anti Semitic stuff. I mean, it's just horrific, and uh, it's got to be changed. And I do want to mention, by the way, to Dave Saltman. Uh, who I've known since 1963, by the way, um, I did discover Gilda Radner. And uh, if there's any, and he wrote a book about her, if there's any distinguishing characteristic that anybody could want, uh, that would be it. Uh, uh, Jan and Myla, do you want to jump in? No one else has a hand right now. And we're over time. Uh, so let's wrap up. This has been a very good discussion. And Steve, thank you for that. And, and everybody, and Lynn Feinerman, if anyone wants to volunteer to make phone calls, by the way, uh, please contact Myla. Myla, if you'll put that contact, uh, you know, there is a thing in to make phone calls. And I got to say, you know, New Day is coming late to the campaign. We let the, all these guys throw out all this. Uh, there, there is a slogan from Steve Bannon, which is applied to this campaign. And I will say this word on Pacifica because there's no other, I mean, on uh, PRN, uh, Steve Bannon says that his big strategy is to fill the commons with shit. And that's what they, that's what we've been seeing from the, from the other side here. And we need to make sure that in these last 10 days, we, we, we clean up the mess. Uh, Myla and then Jan. I, I just put my email in the chat. That's myla.reason at gmail.com. If any of you are willing to make any phone oh. calls at all to get out the vote, to get, uh, 
Pacifica uh, listeners to submit their ballots for their local station boards, please uh, send me an email and uh, I'll be happy to connect with you and get you some um, people to call. Uh, Jan, you're muted. And uh, I want to give Wendy one minute. I forgot. We do need a quick update. Steve, if you can stay with us. Uh, we've, on, got, uh, we've got Stephen Skolmini. People are wondering what is going on, who to vote for. So KPSA oh, Stephen, what, sta what station are you a voter in, Stephen? KPFA. KPFA? Yeah. Okay. Oh, in Berkeley. Okay. Jan, could you some give guidance, please, to, on the five stations? Actually, I think Myla, the, if you go to if you go to newdaypacifica.org, um, we have a link to a whole group of people to in, to vote for. So that would be that would be my suggestion. And, and Stephen, if you if you're still confused, email me directly, uh, solartopia at gmail. Is that the list? Wait, 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 wait. Go back up a minute, Steve. Steve Caruso, go back up one second. Uh, this is, oh, here's the list. Emma Auer, Mark, Lily, also Myla's uh, sister, Sherry Reason, is, is running for the board at KPFA. So uh, if there's any genetic sharing going on, we certainly want to support that. Um, anybody else on Pacifica? Um, uh, we, again, uh, Jan... And Maya have both paid heavy personal prices 